friends. Welcome to the Creative Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Caldwell, and I'm so happy you're here. Each episode, I take some time to chat with fellow artists about life, faith, and the impact of the arts. Welcome to episode 99 of the podcast. I'm so excited to be here with you today, and I hope that you had a wonderful Easter weekend. If this is your first time listening in, I'm so excited that you're here. This is a podcast all about bringing you inspiration and encouragement through fun and meaningful conversation. Whether you're new to the show or you've been around for a while, I invite you all to listen in next week as we celebrate episode 100 of the podcast. It's going to be a special episode with my husband, Ben Caldwell. This week, my heart is so happy to have one of my old friends, Michelle Boyd, joining me to share about her journey from dance to photography to painting. Michelle is an impressionist artist based in Austin, Texas. She's a wife and a mom, and she shares about creating in different seasons of life. And for those artists who have kids, she gives great encouragement about inviting your kids into your creativity. You're going to love Michelle's thoughts today as she talks about the creative process, not being held back by fear of failure, creating art that overflows out of you naturally versus what other people expect, how art is an act of faith, and the idea of creating a sustainable lifestyle as an artist, or just a human. Towards the end, we also get into a fun conversation about hospitality and community, and Michelle shares a really special story of something that just happened recently in her life. This conversation was such a gift to me just to get to catch up with Michelle, and I'm so excited to get to share it with you today as well. Enjoy my conversation with Michelle Boyd. Okay, I'm just like laughing because we've been talking for almost 30 minutes. <laughs> I'm like, I guess I should hit record because this is so great. It's great. Oh, it's so fun getting to have you here, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so honored. Yes, and we've been talking a lot because we're catching up because it's been way too long since we've talked and gotten to see each other's faces, even over Zoom. And crazy to think back to like ballet. Yes. Middle school. Was this middle school? Like middle school and high school. I think I stopped sophomore year of high school. Yeah. So that was like 2000. Should we date ourselves? 2004, five, one of the five, somewhere in there. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Kind of crazy. Um, yeah. And then we probably, I feel like I saw some of your dance team shows and stuff in high school. And then we kind of just, you know, went life happens in college and marriage and kids. And it's like, can't believe it, but it's so fun <laughs> to reconnect. And yeah, I was thinking back on our ballet forte days and I don't know, you were like my person. Oh, same. Oh, same. You were my person. <laughs> I'm so grateful to the Lord for you because we were like, I don't know, we got to hang out. We were like maids together in the Nutcracker. Oh my gosh, we were maids. (laughs) That was so hilarious. Oh my goodness. Like going through all the different roles. And I feel like, when did you start dancing? I don't even know. I mean, like I started taking class when I was four and had really like good experiences, good classes, good jazz classes. Had never, I took ballet but it wasn't quite as like rigid or intense as Valley Forte was. And so I remember we moved right before my eighth grade year. And so I remember (laughs) 
we found this dance studio and it was like, you know, right before the fall, they have nutcracker auditions. And I was like, you know, oh my gosh, like I love to dance. I love ballet. I'm going to audition for this. And I like went to bed with dreams of being Clara, like every girl does when you audition for the nutcracker. Exactly. That's, That's when we were maids that year. It was very humbling. And I was like, oh, I don't have good ballet skills. I need to, I have a lot to learn. This is okay. Great. But it was so much fun and we learned so much there and exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was definitely a fun season. Hard too, but fun. Like just, yeah, grew so much. We got to experience so many cool shows and different things and being a part of a lot of like classic things, which are still kind of my like deep down my heart. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I love the classical yes. ballet. <laughs> so fun. But yeah, anyway, just, just such a, such a different time. I'm like, oh, feels so I long know. ago, but I know some really formative memories yes. for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Well, I would love to let you introduce yourself, just what you're up to now and a little bit about your family. And then we're going to get into your journey, which is so fun <laughs> and going back to dance and then kind of all that's happened since then. So <laughs> Oh, no, that's great. Um, My name is Michelle and I'm a painter. I'm an artist. I live in Austin, Texas, and I'm married to Brian. We have two littles, four-year-old, four and a half, excuse me, girl and a five-month-old little boy. And yeah, I, I paint. (laughs) I love it so much. And your kids are so precious. I was saying how I kind of just like follow you on social media. So that's fun <laughs> once in a while <laughs> getting to see like little updates and things like that, or even pictures of you painting and like holding them. And so <laughs> yes. So it's fun to be able to like invite them into that space. Even, I mean, with a baby, it's like, you know, right now I'm just putting him on his little play mat while I yeah. get some work done, but it's nice to have a job where I think they, at least my daughter, um, I think they feel welcome. At least I hope they do. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I think that's so cool. Super beautiful. And we'll probably talk even more about your motherhood journey a little bit later, but it's cool. Just thinking about like, even from a distance, seeing kind of your journey going from, you know, pretty dance focused and then shifting into photography and then now into painting. And so I'm just curious to hear kind of how all of that played out. And if you want to just give us a bit of like an overview of what that journey as an artist has looked like for you. Yeah. I've always been creative. My family calls it artsy fartsy. I'm the artsy fartsy one in the family. (laughs) And dance was life Mm -hmm. (laughs) for lack of a better way of putting it. All through high school, I did dance with you ballet and then drill team all through high school. And then, um, I went to Texas A&M and studied dance and English. Um, the plan was to be a drill team director slash English teacher. Nice. Cause I did love both, but I really just wanted to be a drill team director. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so studied dance in college and taught at a Christian dance studio in college station, Suzanne's school of dance. And it's, Oh, so many sweet memories. There. Yes. Which by the way, Bethany has been on the podcast. Yes. Oh, too. Yeah. So she was on a little while back and kind of talked about that transition of running Suzanne's now and everything. So anyway, super fun. So people, I'll put that in the show notes too. So people can check it out. So <laughs> Bethany Bradley, hi friend. Um, <laughs> if you listen to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was 
it was so fun to have a Christian environment to teach at. That was new to me and so special. I became a Christian, I think, it wasn't like a day, but at some point in my freshman year of high school, really fell in love with the Lord. So to have that experience in college was really sweet. And I was in a dance company called Chara. And I think it was my sophomore year. We needed pictures. And I was like, well, I have a camera and I like taking pictures and I dance. So I guess does that qualify me to take pictures? I don't know, but let's, let's do this. (laughs) So, um, so I took like company pictures, individual pictures of dancers and throughout college, my love of photography was getting a little bit stronger here and there. And I don't think it was until my junior year of college where I was supposed to be signing up for like observation hours to get teacher certified and things like that. And I can't even really give you a good explanation why I just never signed up. I just like didn't fulfill those quotas or, or do the things I think deep down, I just knew that I wasn't going to be a teacher and I wasn't oddly, I wasn't sad. I wasn't like mourning the loss of a dream because I felt like the Lord gave me a different one to work towards. Mm -hmm. And it was terrifying because I really didn't know what I was doing, but I (laughs) was like, no, I'm going to do it anyway. I worked the summer before my senior year for Pine Cove camps, family camp Mm -hmm. as a photographer. And they train all of their media team for like two weeks basically before camp starts to make sure you actually know what you're doing. Cool. I did not know this, which I guess is why we're doing this. No, that's so cool. (laughs) I love that. And COVID is super fun too. It was such a fun summer. And I I mean, I hope we can take our family to a family camp one day. That would be such a treat. But by the end of camp, like I still had some college left, but by the end of camp, I was like, I'm going to do this. And I think at that point I had shot a few weddings with a friend of mine during college. And I, and I thought I really loved that. And now I feel way more equipped and actually know how to use this camera thing. And so I kind of changed my mind and was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this thing. And right after camp, I went home and got engaged to my then boyfriend at the time, I guess now husband, Brian, and we got married and he has always been such a huge supporter of really any creative endeavor that I've done. Um, I call him my yes man, Mm -hmm. which is great. There have been some times when I'm like, no, I need you to say no this time. I'm telling you this dream, but I need you to rain me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes we need both. (laughs) Both things. Yes. Sometimes we need both. So he just really helped me during those first few years of running my business, figuring things out. And so I photographed weddings for many years. And part of my passion with shooting weddings was I eventually started shooting on film and like the something just intangible about the color and the way that you work as an artist when you shoot film, because you can't see what you're doing. So a lot of that is an act of faith. Like, yeah. I hope this is going to turn out. And I really loved my job. I do think that I was in denial about how stressful it was yeah. <laughs> um, towards the end of it. But I just started to feel this like weight of, I think I'm supposed to give this up after having a very successful thriving business for years. And I had started to dabble in painting, like dabble, like mm-hmm. once every few months, like grab a canvas from Hobby Lobby, super cheap paints and like, 
just at that point, just painting for the process of painting Mm -hmm. and not really caring about what came out of it. Yeah. And at some point I just realized I've always had, whenever I picture my future home, like a house that I'm going to live in and, and like have kids in for some reason, there was an easel by a window. And I was like, Oh, that's silly. That's a silly dream. I don't even have an easel. Like, <laughs> I don't like, I always painted silly things growing up or like, you know, would take a class here and there, but it was never anything serious. And so through a handful of events, the Lord just kind of made it clear that I was done with weddings and I could move on to something else. And so I took a couple of classes in Austin, in town. And then I think it was about a year from when I decided to close my photography business to when I really, I guess, like launched my painting studio. Uh, and I still had no idea what I was doing, but you just figure it out as you go. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so. Exactly. That seems to be the the theme for a lot of us. It's like, you just got to kind of get into yes. it, get started and then figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There was a lot of knowledge that I took from running a photography business that did carry over really well, mm-hmm. um, into running a painting studio, but a lot of it has just, we just had to learn as we go. And so, yeah, I think it's been seven years maybe wow. since I started really painting like seriously. Mm-hmm. And it has been a wild ride I bet. <laughs> to me. It was like a wild ride. Yeah, for sure. For sure. What were some of maybe the, the most like unexpected things shifting from photography into having your own art studio? I would say one of the biggest changes initially seven years ago, I think was kind of when Instagram obviously was like already a thing, yeah. but it really blew up maybe yeah. around then. And I realized with photography, I was always having to hold on to those final images because my clients were the most important part of that. Like I shot for my clients and then there was usually like, you know, a publication that we would want to submit to. And so you had to keep things very secret Mm -hmm. and very like, don't share anything until it's like being shared on a website or something. And so there was this waiting game of like, I have all these great things to share, but you can't. And then enter painting where everyone loves to watch the process. I love watching other people's process and behind the scenes. So it kind of felt like, it was this really fun discovery of, oh, I can, I can share, I can share as I do things and as I create. And it was fun, but it also like, I've met some really sweet people through Instagram specifically, which I know sounds like kind of crazy, but a couple of girls that I would consider some of my best friends now. And so, yeah, I don't know. I'm really, I'm actually really grateful for Instagram in that sense. It's changed a lot since then, but mm-hmm. like the sharing of the process as things are being created is new. And some things right now in particular, I'm like kind of keeping my process close to my chest because I don't know how it's going to turn out. And so part of it is I need that to just be me and the canvas and the paint and nothing else. And so I'm documenting things as I'm creating right now, but it's more for my own like creative process of I need to go back I need to be able to go back and see how did I get here what did I do before that and then if I end up being able to share that later then I can but yeah that's so cool that is very a really good point that I hadn't really thought about just the idea of 
the difference between having to hold on to it versus getting to share it along the way. Mm. I could see how that would be kind of challenging with photography for sure. And, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just beautiful work. Like everything that you've done has always been so lovely, whether it's photography or dance or or painting. And so it's cool seeing how your creative giftings have just continued to to grow and shift and yeah, kind of thread throughout your life. And I'm sure we'll continue to grow. Thank you. I, I have seen the Lord's providence, even in like the order of which he's ordained creative years of my life, if that yeah, makes sense. For sure. Just with dance, like learning movement and teaching dance and learning how to see, like read bodies and read like, what are you about to do? How can I correct you? How can I, like, what words do I need to say in order to tell you what to do? in order to, you know, make a more beautiful movement or, or to get you on beat or, you know, something. And right. then going to photography, I had to direct people and I had to be able to read them. And I had to know, like, when are you going to be in that perfect spot? When are you going to have the most authentic laugh? Mm. And through that, I learned how to see light in a very unique way. And so I feel like those two things coming before painting, I don't, don't feel like it qualifies me in any particular way, but it's given me a lot of like depth of understanding of movement and light and color in ways that I never would have had. I wouldn't have had that knowledge right. had those things not come first before painting. And so it's fun. I'm really grateful to the Lord and just the way his hand has been set over my life. Yes, that is so cool. I love that. So I'm really curious actually to hear just what is kind of your day-to-day schedule looking like right now and kind of your workflow as a painter. Although I know I feel like it has probably shifted <laughs> since you just recently it had a baby. Has. So. It has. So I have, I am so blessed to have an assistant come to my studio two days out of the week. Oh, cool. And so on those days, I try to be in the studio and available. It's kind of like, it's more of a like each day is almost a little bit different. Like Mondays with our family, like getting kids to school and I'm just like solo parenting kind of during the day. And so Mondays are house days. I just don't even allow myself to think about work, but Tuesday through Friday, right now I am kind of working in between nap times. There's a couple times a week where my husband will watch the kids. And so that gives me more of an extended period of time to work. Nice. And so working right now is hard. Um, but I've talked to a lot of people who've kind of just asked me like, why don't you just take off? Why don't you take off a longer maternity leave? And I, Rachel, I'm just not wired that way. I cannot not create, like, I can't, I can't just sit here and, and do nothing. Mm -hmm. I, my hands, it's like, my hands have to be busy because my soul is, is just wired to, make things yeah. <laughs> to create and celebrate the beauty around us, even in the really hard, sleepless, exhausting moments. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like that's one of those, like kind of goes with the work that I'm creating right now, but there's like a duality in that you're so exhausted, but creating gives you energy to, it gives me energy to like be gracious with my kids and yeah. you know all of that is all of that stems from the lord's grace <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not in it's not in my own ability to create and then just magically be more joyful um mm-hmm. 
<laughs> that won't happen. But yeah, so I'm just creating whenever I can. I I used to thrive a lot better with consecutive hours, glorious consecutive hours where I could yeah. sit down and like create an entire painting from start to finish. But I've had to tweak how I work just in this season of life. And it's interesting because it's changing how I work, what I'm working on, the materials that I'm using, but my eyes are kind of being opened. I think this is going to be a really cool series of work. So cool. It's, I think that is true of like sometimes limits or restrictions and things or changes can kind of open up new creativity or new ways of doing things, like you said. So that's exciting in a way as well, even though probably a little bit frustrating at times or scary. <laughs> Both. It's both exciting and terrifying all at the same time. Yes. Yes. And I like what you're saying just about like the grace in in different seasons. And yeah. And I love something that you had kind of mentioned leading into this is the idea of like creating a sustainable lifestyle Mm. and what you touched on a little bit with photography of being sort of in denial of like the level of stress (laughs) and all of that. I'm like, that would be hard because you're pretty much probably gone a lot of weekends and, you know, late nights and all of that kind of stuff if you're doing events like that. But I can relate as far as just like director life, it's dance team and it was just a lot of hours and you don't even realize, yeah, exactly the level of like stress that you're at. But that's something that I'm working on now is like, okay, how do I create a sustainable lifestyle that is at a pace where I can connect with God, connect with other people? Yeah. All of those things. I'm just curious. I'm, this is not really even a question, but throwing it out there, your thoughts on that process of creating a sustainable lifestyle. I think, again, another like providential thing uh, that surfaced <laughs> when I switched from photography to painting was with photography, if you ruin something on someone's wedding day, I mean, like you, you ruin part of their wedding day. Like the stakes were nice. very high. That's a lot of pressure. It's a, it's a lot of pressure. And I think at the time I would say that I thrive on like pressure or like last minute deadlines, things like that. Mm-hmm. And part of that is slightly true, but I thrive really and like am way more joyful when I can breathe and, you know, create <laughs> something slowly and with intention. And I realized maybe a year into painting that if I were to mess up a commission or if something were to get damaged in shipment, it's just a painting. Like like the stakes of ruining someone's wedding day versus it's art. And like, yes, that was a lot of time that I put into something, whether it can be fixed or not is irrelevant. But at the end of the day, like it's, it's okay. It's, it's just something, it's just a thing. It's going to pass yeah. away anyway. And the freedom in that, living in that kind of freedom is huge. I did not realize how like weighted down by just like fear of failure I was, mm. even as a dancer, you know, like yeah. failing at something or failing during a performance or something. But here, I mean, it's just me and my brushes. It's just me and my brushes and the Lord, maybe some good music, maybe some TV um but yeah I think for me a sustainable studio means that I can't allow myself to 
it's almost like I can't allow myself to become obsessed with work because I'm not a healthy or kind wife or mother if I'm always thinking about work. And so creating a space where I can go, I can get my work done. It's going to be there tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's okay. And I do have some deadlines for work and you know, I always want my yes to be yes. So if I say something's going to ship by a certain date, I will have a ship by that date. Like I, the, you know, I want to run a good, like good business, mm-hmm. but I, I think I've just learned so much grace, how to show yourself grace and then how to also be present with where you are, whether that's like, I mean, my studio is in my house, but I can close the door, yeah. <laughs> which is huge. So did that answer your question? I feel like I may have gone off on a tangent at some yes, point. No, I, lo- I love all of those thoughts. It was more like, well, let's just talk about it. I think that's perfect. And that's so, so fun that it's in your house as well. I mean, I guess there could be pros and cons, but I like that. Yeah. You can, can just like ease into that and then also just leave and close the door and move into the rest of your day. <laughs> yes. Yes. What you said about like fear or fear of failure. I think fears are so often driving us. And we don't even realize it. And that's something that I've been kind of working through as well. Like, okay, where am I? Where am I making decisions based on fear versus slowing down and breathing? And then like, yeah, bringing that to the Lord and then allowing like those decisions to then be made out of a place of peace and love rather than fear. Yes. I'm working on new work and I realized, I have realized maybe in the past year, I've just been struggling with like, there are a lot of artists that I love and whose work I follow. And there's artists who make these really beautiful, like neutral toned landscapes that are perfect for any home. And I like, like, oh, I would love to do that. But I also really love color. I really love florals. I love painting florals. And I have just realized over the past few months that I have been afraid of like truly I, it sounds weird of truly painting like me Mm. on a canvas, not like a portrait, like I don't do people, Um, but like afraid of painting what I actually feel in a painting because it wouldn't sell as well, or it wouldn't fit in more than two people's homes, Mm. like things like that. And I, I'm kind of done with that. (laughs) I just decided that's dumb and not of love because I'm, I'm operating out of a place of fear. And while I created, I've created a lot of work that I'm really proud of that does fit into our home. It's, and it's, you know, neutral. I, oh, there's something about when I paint with color, the richness of like really bright chromatic pigments. Oh, my heart just sings. It's, it's so fun. And I'm, so I'm, I'm learning in this process right now that that is incredibly important when as an artist and I think I think every artist experiences that at some point like painting what sells well versus painting what comes what overflows out of you naturally yeah and I'm I'm in that right now I think everyone is always in that maybe yeah but yeah. It, it feels like a big season yeah a big season transition kind of like new perspective yes yeah that's really really powerful and I feel like that could apply so many ways. Um, but yeah, I could see that for sure as a visual artist, but even, even with dance or really any form of art, there's kind of that choice between what maybe we think other people expect from us versus like yes. what is truly like ours to give. I don't know. If that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. That's so yes. cool. Yeah. So another concept that I think 
was really beautiful that you mentioned in kind of our pre-podcast stuff is the idea of how <laughs> painting is like an act of faith. And you even mentioned that some with photography too, with you don't really know what it's going to look like with film photography. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. what has that been like, like seeing painting kind of as this act of faith as you move through it? I think just technically, logistically, as you, when you start with a blank canvas, which is terrifying, I always just try to cover the canvas in something yeah. <laughs> to begin with, because that white blank canvas, it can really mess with your head if you stare at it for too long. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm a very analytical thinker and I like to have systems in place. I am a perfectionist. I'm a perfectionist and I'm also an artist. <laughs> and um, <laughs> those two things actually work really well together sometimes, most of the time. Depends on the day. Yeah. So I like to have systems in place, which means that when I find a process that works really well for creating a painting, whether it's, you know, the the color of underpainting that I do first or the style of underpainting or the colors I use to block in all my shapes. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, whatever comes next after that, whatever layers come next, it's kind of a system. And to me, it makes so much sense in my head that I feel like if I were to explain the system to somebody else, they could also create a painting not just like mine, because everyone is different, but they could also create a painting the way that I create a painting. Yeah. I am not an art teacher. So <laughs> I, um, I've kind of tried to teach a friend once and I just need more practice teaching because it's in my head, but it's hard to, it's like, harder to articulate it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a system and it works, but I'm anytime you kind of go into uncharted territory, like where I am right now of, okay, I think this could work. There's a lot of, you just have to do it. You have to do, you have to create so much. You have to try new things and, and just have faith that something will work out. My <laughs> my husband last night at dinner, we were talking about Edison created the light bulb. Oh, yes. And he has this quote of, yes, I found, I, I found a way to make a light bulb, but I also found a thousand ways to not make a light bulb. Right. That's, that's kind of, that feels like art to me as well, because so many things just don't work the way you have them in your head. And then eventually when you work hard enough, when you try enough things or techniques, you'll get there eventually. It just takes hours. It takes hours and hours and hours mm-hmm. of work and of experimentation and knowing that the process and the experimentation is part of your journey as an artist. And you will learn things in it, even if you can't see the fruit immediately, but you have to know like, okay, I'm just going to keep pushing forward. If it does work out, that's fine. But also if it does, then I'll learn something new and create something beautiful and there'll be goodness in it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And I think, I think too, with art, with painting, I paint things like I sell. So I sell my paintings on my website and it's always really terrifying to put new work out into the world and say, who wants this on their walls? Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and some pieces don't sell for years. And at first it can be really like, oh man, that was it. Side note, it is always, I have a handful of other painters who would say the same thing. It's always the, the artist's favorite piece that either sells last or like sells, it takes years for it to sell. And yeah. I don't know why that works. 
I, I don't, I don't know why it's always, there have been two times where I have just ended up keeping my favorite from a collection because it didn't sell. And I was like, well, it is my favorite. So I might as well just keep it. Might as well enjoy it. Exactly. Oh my gosh. But like the, the paintings that might take years to find a home, you have to have faith that that person is out there. Maybe they, they haven't found you yet, or maybe they're saving up their pennies, which is such an honor. Anytime anyone buys a painting, it's like major happy dance. I might cry. Yeah. It it just depends on the day, but (laughs) yeah, you just have to have faith that your, your work will, because it's the art that I do, it ends up in someone's home. Mm -hmm. There's a level of hospitality to a painting. You're, you're changing a space completely whenever you put a painting up on a wall, even a, even a small teeny tiny one. And so just knowing that like your work is going to be seen probably daily <laughs> um, by a human who has a heart and a soul, like it can feel really weighty sometimes with that responsibility. But part of like releasing work into the world is having faith that the right person well, they'll find it eventually, or, you know, it's, it's really cool. It's really sweet to see where pieces end up and, and to hear sometimes a collector will have a really sweet story. If it's a magnolia painting, it's, oh, my mom grew magnolias or my grandma grew magnolias. And like, I think of her every time I see this painting, like you have no idea what kind of connections Mm. you're creating in someone else's life just by putting paint to a canvas. Yeah. I can't think about it too much because then I get overwhelmed. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> it's really special. Such a special thing. That's very powerful to think about from that perspective and how we don't know the ripple effects of things that we are creating, you know, like you said, kind of the how that could impact someone's life on a daily basis and that kind of thing. And I love that yes. concept of being a form of hospitality. Mm-hmm. And I know you have a big heart for hospitality and for building community. How has that been a part of your journey? And maybe how have you seen like that focus on community and hospitality impact your life and the life of people in your community, I guess, or your world? Mm. It's a big question. <laughs> it is a big question. It's like three questions <laughs> in one question. So. I try my best. Um, I, I, I mean, I grew up with grandparents who are incredibly hospitable cooking massive meals for the whole family. That was always really just cool to me. Like, oh, you can provide and have a party. It doesn't have to be fancy, Mm -hmm. um, but you bring people together around food. And in college, there was a woman who mentored me for just a little bit. And she always said, my door is always open. And she meant it. And that was, I've known very hospitable people throughout my life, but like to the level at which she meant that, was like, I didn't have to call before I could just show up. And if it wasn't a good time, I would just leave. You know, I wasn't quite that bold. So I don't think I ever showed up. And <laughs> I was always calling in advance, but you could, you could just show up and she had kids and you were welcome in, in their household. Yeah. That's really powerful. It was so powerful. It, it just showed me like a really good picture of the heart of Christ. Like he's ready for you. Any, any time like he's he's not he's not gonna say now's not a great time can you come back tomorrow <laughs> but like he is always ready to welcome you with open That's arms so true. and so I think that 
it was a very formative thing for me in college. And I've, I've always loved cooking. I've always loved having people in my house and seeing community come together, whether it's like just, you know, small group or a potluck or, mm-hmm. or just the day to day. My favorite is when someone is in the neighborhood and they just drop by. Yeah. Our door is not unlocked all the time, but like I tell my people all the time, if you're in the neighborhood, come over for a cup of coffee, Uh which I'll make my husband make for you because I don't know how to make coffee, but I can make you tea. Uh (laughs) I'm like, if you need coffee, uh, we'll go get some down the road at the coffee shop. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's awesome. So it's just that level of like, it's more, it's more inviting people into your life and doing life with them. Yeah, I think when you're open and just available as much as you can be, there are, you know, there are limits when you have, when you have kids, when I have kids, you know, if someone knocks at our door at seven o'clock at night, I'm putting my kids down. So I probably can't answer, but like, give me 20 minutes and then you're welcome here. Like I, there's always, we've found that there's always so much more joy at the end of the day and so much more joy in your heart when you are in community, even though it can be exhausting, it can be tiring to like, whether it's just being around other people is, is hard for you. Or if your community leaves and then your house is all of a sudden a mess and you have to do all this cleanup, like all, those are such small things in comparison to we're just, we're just made to be in community, how the Lord wired us. And so, um, I have, I have a friend, Haley, who I call, I don't know if she knows this, but I call her my phone friend because she will just call me to chat. Um, and I typically kind of hate talking on the phone. She knows that I hate talking on the phone, but she'll also just say, Hey, I'm down the street from you. Can I come in for a hug? And I always say yes, if I can, Uh but I love having people come in and stop in our house and then stop in the studio if they want to, if they can. And yeah, I just, I love having, I don't know. I just love having people around. I I am mostly an introvert. I think you kind of have to be as an artist because you work, you know, solo. Right. But I love our people. I love our community and our family. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I love... Yeah, just doing life with other people, I think is really powerful. For sure. For sure. Yes, I'm totally with you on that. And I think I'm working on that, like figuring out how to, how do we just like live life with our people? Because it is kind of countercultural at this point, you know, because we're so independent, quote unquote, you know. (laughs) Yes. It was just yes. like, oh my God, great. But, you know, we can literally live life without really interacting with human if we wanted to. Yes. But the problem is, we, like you said, we're wired for yes. connection. And when we don't have that, we're, we see, we feel the effects of it. Yes. You know, I know I feel the effects of it like, when I'm <laughs> home all day by myself. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I can do it for a little bit, but it's, it's rough eventually on, yes. on our spirits, on our hearts, like, yeah, everything. So Yes. Uh, my, this is actually my friend Haley again, and this is her favorite story to tell. It's a little bit self-deprecating, but it really just kind of shows you how much we need each other. I think yeah. <laughs> it's really sweet. Um, a few years ago, there was like a really bad snowstorm in Austin, well, in Texas and like most of Texas. Yeah. We called it the snowpocalypse or snow. Um, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. We had been, it was during COVID. And so we were super quarantining because we had some childcare with grandparents, but to keep them safe, we were like seeing nobody else. It was very, very hard. 
have been around people for a while, but some friends of ours, I think we would say we were acquaintances at the time. They were in our small group, but we didn't know them very well. The family with a little boy and another one on the way and their power and everything went out at their house. And they just, Haley, had just texted like, Hey, we could use some prayers because <laughs> our power just went out. I was like, Brian, we have to ask them to come stay. Like they have to come stay with us. We still have power and water and all this stuff. So I sent her a message like, you know, y'all come over here and stop freezing. And then after I invited her over, (laughs) I have these two girlfriends that I'm really close with. And I sent them a voice memo saying, Hey y'all, I'm excited, but I'm really nervous because we have this family coming to stay with us for who knows how long it's probably going to be like a week. And I just haven't been around people in a really long time. So I'm nervous and like, I'm sure they're great, but you know, it's close quarters. I said that to Haley instead of to my friends. And so I immediately realized what happened. And I was like, oh gosh, don't listen to that voice memo, please. And she was like, too late. We're so excited. We're coming over. <laughs> and she, she said, it just broke the ice because it was like, we're all sinners. We're all in need of something. We all feel awkward yeah. and we need people. And for me to have this really awkward, silly moment of like, I'm nervous to be around people. She was like, perfect. We're nervous to be in your house. And it was the best week ever that ended with like our families sitting together on the couch, watching Pride and Prejudice and eating Skittles. Like it was, I love it was the best. (laughs) (laughs) You were probably like one of my original Pride and Prejudice friends, I would imagine. I I think that's true. Because it came out, I feel like back in high school. Yes, it did. No, I remember talking about it with people in high school. So yeah, it definitely came out then. Oh yeah. But yes. That's so great though. I love that story because it's like, I think it shows how we tend to, we tend to feel like, I don't know, maybe like we're the only ones who are feeling nervous or awkward or whatever. And it's like, no, I think we all feel that way. And there is that moment of just having to go into it anyways and like be scared and that's okay. Or be awkward. And to just be okay with being awkward. And then we move forward. And a lot of times we get closer because of it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I think, I think with having kids for us has been kind of the, the catapult into like really needing other people a lot more and learning how to ask for help from community. Even if it's just like, y'all I'm drowning. I've been around my kids for so long and I love my children so much. Can you please come over and give me 30 minutes or like help, like helping friends or whatever it is. Like when you invite someone into your mess, then eventually they probably will invite you back into their mess. And then you get to experience life on like a raw level, real level. It's much more genuine. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, so good. Yes. (laughs) And man, this is so fun. I'm like, I want to keep going and going, but maybe just kind of to touch on motherhood slightly. You've talked about it a little bit throughout. And I love that you mentioned that, you know, being parents has kind of pushed y'all to lean into community more. But is there any other encouragement you want to give for parents who are also doing their artist stuff? You know what I mean? Like that was a weird yeah. way to say it. Being artists and like living and <laughs> working and all of the things. Um <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. So I'm not going to try and copy what was said. There's a podcast that just came out 
called Making Motherhood. Mm. And there's a whole episode about, I just felt so seen. I was like, yes, and amen to almost every moment of it. Um, I think it's the first or second episode. Okay, cool. I can try to find it and put it in the in the notes as well. Yeah. Yes. Yes, please. It's, it's just beautiful. I was listening to it when I was driving in the car by myself and I was just weeping the whole time because they were wonderful at explaining how it feels to be a mother and a creative. And I feel like basically what they say, (laughs) and it's, it's kind of how I feel is when I create, I have more energy to love onto my children and to serve the Lord in the ways that he's called me to be his servant. And then it's like, it's like this constant cycle circle of like, my kids also inspire me to do creative things. I mean, I, I think that's the other thing that I would say is like, if you can invite your kids into your creativity. Mm, Yeah. And for me, it's, I mean, it's like, it can be fairly tangible. I paint with Lucy. I would say kind of often, maybe not as often as we could because I'm a perfectionist and I like things to be clean. (laughs) Um, So don't give a four-year-old a paintbrush if you like clean things. But, but recently, like she's at this age where she, she can take direction a lot better. And so not that that matters, but it's really sweet to be able to see her create in such an unrestrained, it's almost like a childlike faith kind of way where Mm. if I tell her, like, if I ask her, what colors do you want? She'll say all the rainbow colors are all the colors in the world. And I'm like, Oh, I've got pink. Like I, like she, her creativity knows no bounds because she's been given no bounds. Yeah. If that makes sense. And so when I create alongside her or like give her like minimal direction and then see what she makes. It's so cool. We made a painting together recently and I, I did tell her like, let's make a landscape. Cause I wanted it to go in her room. Yeah. And so I told her, you know, like maybe this bottom half should be greenish <laughs> and maybe with, you know, a river or something. And then this top half will be blue, like the sky. And she just went to town and it's so beautiful. It's like the most beautiful landscape I've ever seen. It, it's like crazy. And the mark making is, she just does things with abandon. Yeah. And I'm starting to paint bigger paintings, bigger pieces. And for her, that painting was probably ginormous. It's probably, I think it's an 18 by 24 that we worked on together. Yeah. But like she would stand in front of the easel and like essentially dance while she was painting and making her marks. And I keep thinking of her as I'm working on these larger pieces because you have to use your whole body to cover a canvas this big. Otherwise your wrist will kill you <laughs> by the end of oh, 10 I minutes. And That's true. So it's just really sweet. I would say like, try to invite your kids into creativity with you however you can, even if it's like in the kitchen or I, I don't think that being creative really means you have to be painting. It can be cooking or just, you know, finding fun ways to tell stories or I don't know, just anything and everything. And then in turn, it will go back and feel your creativity and so on and so forth. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's so encouraging today. And I would love to give you a chance to tell that like really cool story 
of sort of the full circle moment that happened <laughs> this, was it this past year. Yes. Okay. So before we started recording, we were talking about how we have, it's a very small world and so many connections. And one of those is through the UR conference. Like both of us have kind of been part of that at different times. And when we first got connected to do this interview, it was like, oh, the UR conference is coming up. So I'm going to turn it over to you and let you share this story because it was just such a cool full circle moment. I love it. I haven't shared this story yet, like anywhere. And I'm glad that I get to say it with my voice instead of, I hate like typing things and posting as a story. It just doesn't feel the same. Um, So when I was still in college, a conference was started called Masterpiece. It was started by a woman named Donna Stewart. And I was taking guitar lessons from Donna at the time. And she founded a dance company called Talitha specifically for the conference. Um, She wanted dance to be part of worship during the conference. And this was in College Station, Texas, I think in 2010. Okay, cool. So I knew Donna in like the music slash dance sense. And she called me, I remember it was a Tuesday because I had to teach dance classes later that night. And she called me in like mid-morning and said, hey, I'm going to run to Houston to visit this artist who will be painting live at Masterpiece Conference. Her name's Jamie Wells. You should look up her work. She's amazing. Do you want to come with me? And I was like, I don't know why she's asking me to go with her to an artist studio, but okay, yeah, sure. And I didn't say anything, but I was like, yes, of course, I'll come with you. I just, I loved hanging out with her. Yeah. So we went and we picked up what we needed, but we got to kind of tour this ginormous I don't even know what to call it. It was like not a warehouse, but it was huge. It was a, it was a painter's studio and it was huge. It was incredible. She had so many of her works up. I, I think her husband paints as well. They're both so talented wow. and um, she would be painting live during masterpiece. And so on our way back to college station, I, I remember getting like really hot and nervous, but I <laughs> turned to Donna and I was like, why did you, why did you bring me? Why did you invite me to come with you to an artist studio? And she looked right at me and said, Michelle, you're an artist. And I really thought that you would just love seeing another artist's space. And I was like, okay, cool. While also being extremely confused because I was not what I would have considered an artist, quote unquote, at the time I was artistic in other ways, dance and music and right, right photography, but not like no one had ever just spoke. It's such a simple truth. You're an artist, but it, it felt so impossible for me to believe that and to, and to even like allow myself to dream that that's like who I was or what I could do. And so, so that happened (laughs) in 2010 and then masterpiece conference with Donna, I think happened for a few years. And then when that was done, they started UR conference with a different group of leaders. And Talitha also dances for UR now. So Talitha, the dance company. Yeah. So there's lots of similarities. And they had Jamie, the painter, painting life for a few years. And then last summer, um, one of the, I believe she's the director of UR conference. I saw her name pop up on my phone. She was calling me and I immediately like hoped I knew what it was about, but I was also like, oh, why is she going? Because I just couldn't believe 
I couldn't, I was like, why would, why else would she mm-hmm. call me? Because she's a wonderful, kind human being. That's why. Um, but they did ask me to paint live so at cool. the conference. Jamie has moved and is unable to do it. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like this feels so bizarre to be back in the space where I feel like my identity as a co-creator with Christ was like kind of spoken over mm-hmm. and like it started to bloom way back then. And so it was just, it was already sweet to begin with. I painted during the conference in September in New Braunfels. And then earlier this year at UR in College Station, Donna Stewart was a speaker. And so she was a session speaker and was on stage, like spreading the most beautiful, bold, uh, amazing message. I think you can actually find it somewhere on YouTube. I think that they might post their session speakers to YouTube. Okay. I can look for that. But I... I got to be there. I was painting on stage like with her as she was giving her. And it just felt like, it just felt like such a kind moment of the Lord of like edifying. This is where, this is what I had for you, you know? And if you'd asked me, how many years is that? 13 years ago. <laughs> like, Because I, I remember watching Jamie, the artist painting on stage and just being like, I'm supposed to be listening to the session speakers, but I'm totally just watching this <laughs> artist paint. And I and I I loved art, I always have, but I never thought that it would be my everyday life. And so mm-hmm. yeah, just a really, really sweet gift. Like the Lord didn't have to do that. He didn't have to give me a full circle moment of being in that space with him and with these women who have been such a big part of my life. But he did. Yeah. And it was really, really That is so special and super beautiful. Thanks for sharing. I was just like, that's such a cool story. I love it. (laughs) I'm glad it could be. Yes, verbally shared as well. So as we wrap up today, is there something you'd like to share with other artists right now? I would just say to be open-handed with your work, even the things that you feel that you have really figured out Mm -hmm. and you're comfortable with. The Lord has a funny way of just changing (laughs) what I'm working on or my next steps when I was very like comfortable with where I was. He'll give me something new, a new challenge to work on. And so it's, it strips away a lot of your pride of self, which is hard, but to just be open-handed, I think, and be ready to change whatever you need to change in order to serve him better and to be a better vessel Mm. for the Lord. Yes, that's where I'm at. I'm currently having to change literally almost everything that I do <laughs> in studio to create work that's been put on my heart. And it's been very hard, but just having faith that, I mean, he's in control. And at the end of the day, it's just paint on a canvas and you can, yeah, yeah, learn from it. So, so good. Open hands. I open hands. So much. Open. Yes. That's <laughs> been like my theme the last few years. So. Oh, yes. Open hands. And last question, just for fun, is what is one of your favorite things right now? Oh my gosh, I have so many random things that just went through my mind. Um, (laughs) The color blue. My husband makes really good coffee. Like I mentioned earlier, he's gotten really, really good at it. It's like a manual espresso thing. So he makes me the most amazing like Americano and lattes. And this is like really not important, but there is a snack. It's like plantain chips. They're called Barnana. It, I think okay. is the is the name of it. They're so good. There's got like there's like a lime flavored one, mm-hmm. and 
I think they're relatively healthy. They're not high in sugar. Anyway, it's a really good snack. That was a super random one, but that's where my mind went. (laughs) I love it. No, that's perfect. (laughs) Now people are going to be going out to get some banana chips. (laughs) (laughs) So great. I would love to let people know where they can connect with you and also your work. And where they can find, yeah, your paintings and everything in prints. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, my website is kept pretty up to date. It's michelleboydstudio.com. And then on Instagram, I'm at michelleboyd underscore studio. I try to share a lot of the like behind the scenes and process when I'm painting. I'm also, I paint a lot of flowers. And so I... Well, not because of that, but I also have a garden. And so sometimes it's like the roses that are blooming that I wish I could send the smell to you because the scent is so good. Yeah, yeah, that's where that's where y'all can find me. Those two main places. Love that. And I wish we could have talked about gardening, but maybe we'll the next time, whatever we could do this. fun. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. This has been seriously such a treat to get to catch up with you and share it with the world at the same time. Oh, it's so sweet. Thank you for having me. And I hope, yeah, I hope that this blesses someone. I don't know. Yes, I know. I know that it will. It already has blessed me for sure. (laughs) Yes. Love you, friend. So thankful for Michelle for coming on and sharing her journey with us today. You can find all the links, the full show notes, and additional resources on our website, creativeimpactpodcast.com. I wanted to give a quick shout out to Sarah St. Clair, who left a review on Apple Podcasts this week. Sarah, thank you so much. Your review was super encouraging. It meant so much to me. So thankful for all of you who have rated and reviewed the show. And if you'd like to do that, It's a great way to support the show. You can rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to be listening. If you're interested in helping support the show financially, you can become a patron of the Creative Impact Podcast. Our Patreon community is a place where you can connect directly with me and also gain access to bonus content from throughout the history of the podcast. You can check out the Patreon community on our website at the top where it says Patreon or by going to creativeimpactpodcast.com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Impact Podcast. The music for the show was produced by Michael Cash. So excited to be back with you again next week to celebrate our 100th episode. And until next time, remember that you were designed to create you were made to inspire. Continue living with purpose and making an impact. I'll see you next time, friends. Bye.